If you're a Pilates instructor looking to learn and grow using science-based tools, the Pilates Instructor VIP membership is for you. This is a continuing education resource that includes monthly workshops, weekly research reviews, programming support, full-on classes, and so much more. Okay, you can get your seven-day free trial right now with the link in the show notes. But without further ado, let's get on to this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Evidence-Based Pilates Podcast, your home for all things science, Pilates, and community. We are going to have an incredible uh, chat today. We are talking about one of my favorite topics, which is strength-based, because why not get humans stronger? And I've coined this episode, is it still Pilates if you add a spring? And this uh, full disclosure, right? Like this episode is uh, inspired by um, a conversation that I was told to listen to uh, within the Pilates community, just like a recorded audio clip. And it was, uh, you know, well-meaning and all of the things, but I can imagine that as a listener, um, you would walk away thinking that if you added a spring to Pilates, it's not Pilates. And so, um, you know, I just, I've just learned in life to um, listen to contrast. And I, I learned from the conversation. And one of the things I learned is like how, how valuable it is to be an evidence-based practitioner and to learn how to turn um, shit into manure. So um, as a result, we are going to do more of like a counter argument to that in, in a, a very peaceful uh, way and and I just want to inspire um, you know a, any Pilates instructor that it's okay uh, to add a spring. It's also okay not to add a spring in that you you are still teaching Pilates uh, regardless of that spring choice and that there are so many ways to win and help your clients. But our framework, okay, our framework for our conversation today, is um, is to, to just ask like, what does it mean to even teach Pilates, right? And then like, why is this controversial, right? Like, who cares? Why is it controversial, you know, to add a spring and things like that, okay? Um, it's my choice with my client. Um, and then um, how this relates to human phy- physiology, like how does, like, why would we add a spring from just an objective point of view? Um, that's outside of the modality of Pilates and um, how this also relates to providing client-centered care, which is actually the number uh, one uh, guideline-based care whenever working with musculoskeletal pain. It is to provide client-centered care that is a systematic, that's from a systematic review Um, called the 11 Common Recommendations for Musculoskeletal Pain, a Systematic Review of Clinical Practice Guidelines by Ivan Lin. That is in the um, show notes. So that's our framework. And and like, I almost like, like, I feel like I have to, like, I feel obligated to be a voice in this, to this question of like, what does it mean to teach Pilates? But like the TLDRs, I, I really don't, like, it's not my priority. Like when I say I don't care, I mean like it, it has no effect on my decision making when working with the client of like, is this Pilates um, or not? And that, that's because I provide client-centered care. 
And so um, with that, a lot of times when we're, when there's the conversation of like, is this Pilates, it's like, is it an alignment with what was left behind um, by like Joseph Pilates, right? Or, you know, by someone uh, close to them. And, you know, so it's like, it's like, are you following the recipe, right? Are you, are you a follower of the recipe that's left behind? There's nothing wrong with it. I, I teach like the classical or traditional order all the time. I do like one to 18 for my personal workouts. I love it. It's just the, um, it's like one ingredient in the pot. Okay. Um, and I, I just feel like it's okay to, to add on to that um, in a meaningful and skillful way, um, rather than just following um, an order and things like that. So it's not, it's not that it's like, I'm, I don't mean it in a way of like, oh, it's bad, don't do that, right? No, it's just like, I'm just trying to think laterally, like you can be just as authentic and as good if you do something different too. And so like, why not like, 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 what if it meant to teach Pilates that you're familiar with Pilates in the original repertoire? I do find value in that you're still a, an instructor, like a valid instructor. If you didn't go to a school that taught you original exercises, totally cool. I do think there's value in understanding the original repertoire. Um, but with that, there's also value in other things. And like, what if you use like your original training or the original repertoire as a foundation and you added your own genius to it, right? In a skillful, not in a, like a random way, you can still do it randomly and be cool. Uh, but I feel like there's, um, uh, I feel like it's even better if you do so in a very skillful way, which is all about client goals, client needs and understanding human physiology, um, uh, you know, a biopsychosocial approach, strength training principles, motor, motor learning, pain science, and all these other things. And then utilizing the Pilates repertoire as a foundation to get them to their goals. And so with this, that's hard to do if you're just following only the exercises that are left behind. And so what if we, rather than only use the exercises and study the exercises that were left behind, what if it meant to teach Pilates is that you tapped into the thinking behind the Pilates? What if you unveiled the curtain behind the Pilates and you, and you created exercises from a place of, of, of being um, like an inventor, right? Um, so what if not, not, not just like created it because it looked cool, but created it because that's what your client needed at that day and time. And you utilize the tools around you and you put the spring in a weird place right? And it's because you needed the load to come from a certain angle because that models the activity that your client's having a hard time doing, right? You see the difference? It's like, rather than creating, um, ra rather than just following the recipes, you're using the recipes that are left behind to make a different cookbook, right? Or to, to expand on the cookbook that's been left behind you if you want to utilize that analogy, right? And then, you know, then the common thing is like, well, don't call it Pilates. My response is I don't care, right? I like, it's literally like, I don't like, that's not a meaningful thing to me. Um, it's client-centered care. And, and I would encourage anyone that you teach, you, you know, you teach often, you, you teach Pilates, you are um, a valid instructor. Okay. You are meaningful regardless of what you hear. If you are told that Pilates is in this closed box, 
um, that is the perception of the person who's talking. And I would just like to add to that conversation and suggest that the box may be bigger than what an individual may perceive it to be. And I would advocate to, um, to, to be aware of Pilates and things like that, but also that you have permission to be yourself, that not that you need permission for that, and that you can add your own genius to it. And you can even, if you if it was important for some reason to like validate that within the, the scheme of Pilates, is that you're working from the thinking of the inventor, that rather than being a follower, you've chosen to be a creator. And to be a really great creator, you can be familiar um, with, with what has been left behind and you can create from that. Now, with this, like, there's, there's the, the, you know, this becomes like controversial and, and, and part of this is like, you know, you can only do like what's left behind because then that's like, you know, true Pilates. And that's like probably like 5% of like authentic Pilates instructors actually do that. Uh, meaning like if you look at YouTube and stuff like that and you see the things that are happening, um, it's not the gentle stuff that is, um, commonly taught there's no like pelvic clocks or anything like that but i would say like a lot of times like the idea of like like the um you can't add a spring and call it pilates is because that's in contrast to some how someone learned pilates right and so the conversation of that's not pilates is oftentimes confused with that's not how i like pilates or that's not how I learned Pilates. And so that's not Pilates is, is generally not the right statement or the right um, question if it was in a question form. Okay, just recall that once, like, 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 like if that were true, then there'd be a standardized definition of what Pilates is and why this conversation continues to happen and will happen even when I'm dead and gone is because there is no definition. So it's really just an opinion and it's usually based on the opinion of how you've experienced Pilates, which changes from practitioner to practitioner, which is why there are so many ways to win. And one last thing on this aspect before we go into the human physiology aspect is like there's this idea of like well if it ain't like if it ain't broke don't fix it right or if it isn't broken don't fix it and that's not how human physiology works i'm sorry like, like we're not broken um we don't need to be fixed uh we're not machines and because we're not machines our exercise approach also shouldn't just be mechanical, it shouldn't just be um, as if we were machines, it should be adaptive, right? Like if we are adaptive as humans, why would our exercise routine not adapt to our physical needs, our personal desires, um, where we are in this place and time? And, and there sometimes within the realm of like a smaller approach to Pilates. And when I say a smaller approach, I mean, there's like more rules. So there's less you can do, you know, the idea is like, yes, but we do adapt. Yeah, but you only adapt so far, right? That's why we're not allowed to add a spring because that would require adaptation. Now with this, like, I want to bring this into like a human, like physiology and then kind of like step outside of Pilates. And I think when you step outside of the modality, 
a lot of the like inter, um, how do you say it? Like, like all of the controversy within the modality doesn't make a lot of sense. And so, for example, um, you know, there within human physiology, there's something called, or just really kinesiology in general, is uh, the law of specificity or the said principle. They, they mean the same thing. Um, so I'll just go with law of specificity. Law of specificity is essentially that you will adapt to what you are exposed to. You will adapt to a chair if you sit in it long enough. You're gonna, that's what your body is gonna become accustomed to and it's not gonna be accustomed to other things. Um, that's why when you run, your cardiovascular system gets better. That's why when you lift heavy, you get stronger. That's why if you practice lifting things over your head, you get better at lifting things over your head. If you want to go ahead and get down onto the floor, you should probably practice exercises that look like that okay? because you will adapt to what you are exposed to. And then um, in contrast, you tend not to adapt to what you are not exposed to. Okay? That's just, uh, that is how the world works, right? That is exercise physiology. And, and a big part of that is what's called progressive overload, right? And this is where like my head always turns, I guess, like, I don't, I don't get it in the sense of like, if they, if, if this was taught in Pilates schools, it wouldn't be controversial to add a spring to exercises. It would make no sense not to. it would make no sense not to uh because it's it's how the world works it's just physics so with this um so progressive overload sorry i said it's physics it's physiology excuse me so with this progressive overload um is a concept within the law of specific law of specificity that refers to uh how humans get stronger now this isn't like how humans get stronger in Pilates versus how humans get stronger in uh, weight training versus how humans get stronger in physiotherapy. Your body doesn't know the difference between a weight, a spring, an elastic band, or a bag of rocks. Your body knows stresses onto tissues and it knows the intensity of those stresses and it will adapt to the Posed demands of those stresses. Now, within that, that adaptation eventually stops. Like, well, if you had not done Pilates before and you went down and you did footwork on three full springs, and we did that, your legs might get tired, right? By like your 20th, 30 rep kind of thing. It's like, oh, wow, my legs are burning whatever it is. And I know sometimes footwork isn't about leg strength, but it can be. Um, so let's say like, like we're challenging the strength or endurance of the legs there. By the time it's like your 30th or 40th Pilates session, you're going to have a different experience. And that would be because you have adapted. You might notice the springs, it might be challenging, but it's not as challenging. And you don't have to add springs to footwork at all. Like I understand it's a warm up. Right. But that's just like like an example. Okay? Now, if you were doing, let's say you were doing one legged footwork, because a lot of times that might be seen more as leg strength. And you have, let's say, two springs on, you got someone's heel on, you weren't doing fancy choreography, you were trying to bias strength. Okay? 
So you have, you know, your two springs on and your client goes out there, they have an experience. Let's say they eventually get tired. They get tired at 20 reps. Um, now over time, they'll be, they'll start to get tired at like 25 reps or 30 reps. So, you know, you have to do, you, if you want your client to get stronger, you have to add a spring <laughs> and, and even like, even if it's not Pilates, right, you have to add a spring and be, the reason why you add a spring is because, um, the, when you get stronger, right, your capacity grows. When your capacity grows in single leg footwork, you can do more repetitions because you have greater capacity. You, you can do this, you can do more repetitions on the same amount of load. So you can, you have choices, right? I know the, the number 20 is high for repetitions and strength, but I just chose it. So I'm going with it. So if you did 20 repetitions on two springs on single leg footwork, and it was challenging, right? Now, as time goes on, you have three choices within the same exercise. You can either continue to do 20 repetitions because that's the way you learned Pilates and that's what Pilates is. And um, your client will get, they'll get a stronger event. They'll get stronger initially. So from baseline to the, like to whatever time frame that they adapt, they will get stronger, but then you'll eventually plateau. Okay. Plateau meaning you are no longer getting stronger. Okay. So you don't get any stronger than the two springs and it's not a knock at Pilates. That's just how, that's just how human physiology works. If you were doing 15 pound, um, bicep curls, you would only get as strong as that 15 pounds going to get you at 20 reps. So your choice, choice one is you make no change. And that's usually, um, the result of just not understanding like, um, how humans get stronger and stuff like that. Uh, which is fine. Like I didn't I, for the first part of my career. Now choice two, right. Would be within that you, you can, let's say we're doing full range. Cause then you can do your pulses and all that, but let's say, um, you just increase the reps, right? You just go until they get tired. So now it's like 25 or 30 reps. Cool. Right. That's biasing, um, endurance. Okay. Endurance by definition. Endurance by definition is your ability to, your ability to hold a submaximal force for an extended period of time. And you do that by adding reps or adding time. And when you add reps, it takes longer to do more reps. So by default, you're adding time. It is your ability to maintain a submaximal force for an extended period of time. So and you'll get a little bit stronger when you bias endurance, right? But you're going to be biasing endurance because you are always working with in the law of specificity, whether if you're aware of it or not, or whether if you agree with it or not, um, it's a law of specificity. It's a law of human physiology. So, um, within that, okay, we have two choices so far. The first choice is to do nothing. And then you will get stronger from baseline just to whatever, um, to whatever time point that you plateau, but you, you won't get any stronger than that spring will supply. Now you won't get weaker, right? You're still healthy, right? Totally healthy. Right. Uh, but you won't get stronger. Now 
The second choice, as I went over, is you can increase the repetitions. You'll increase endurance, right? Your ability to hold a submaximal load for an extended period of time. Or you can, you can be such a rebel, right? Oh my God, wait for this one. Wait for this one. You'll be such a rebel. You're going to, instead, you're going to add a spring. <laughs> you're just, you're going to add more load. And what will happen is that your client's repetitions will go down because it'll be harder. It's harder to push three springs than it is two. So they might go down to like 15 or 10 reps, right? And it might not even be considered Pilates anymore. Nope, because you added a spring. I mean, I'm being facetious. So you added a spring, right? And you heard on this like audio clip somewhere in the Pilates universe that adding a spring means it's not Pilates anymore because you don't add springs in Pilates, right? But instead of like satisfying the Pilates sphere and getting gaining their um, approval, what you did instead was you you added load to your client to get their legs stronger. And you were in alignment with mountains of literature that shows how human tissue gets stronger, regardless if it's a weight, if it's body weight, if it is a spring, if it's an elastic band, if it's a bag of rocks. Instead of getting an approval that this is within the guidelines of Pilates as I know it, you chose to be in alignment with mountains of literature on how human tissue get stronger. What's the wiser decision for your client? What's more valuable to your client that they got the prescription of Pilates or that they got their legs stronger? What's the answer to that? It depends. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. My only ask of you as a listener is to leave a five star review. Leaving a review helps this podcast grow and have a greater influence on the Pilates industry. I do this 100% for free. I do not and will never accept advertisements on this podcast. It is 100% for free. And you can go ahead and make a huge difference and allow this to grow by leaving a five-star review. This is client-centered care. Client-centered care. Okay, client-centered care means that your client is at the center of your session at all times. If your client comes in with a goal of increasing strength, we should know what strength is, how human tissue adapts to load to generate strength, and we should know how we can do that within our skill set in the tools available to us. Strength by definition is the maximal force that you can generate for one repetition. The maximum force. Strength doesn't mean hard. Strength is hard, but hard is also many other things that are, that are not strength. They're not synonymous. Strength is the maximum force that you can apply onto an object one time. That is not Adam Acti at evidence-based Pilates um, definition. This is Adam Acti who's passionate about sharing evidence-based information and is sharing the academic definition of what strength is. And that is independent of Pilates and that is independent of any modality of fitness. With that, that's the definition. 
then we should know that in order to get someone stronger, I have to have the load of the exercise be high enough that it challenges high, um, it challenges as high threshold motor units. Okay. And what that means is your client gets really fatigued in the exercise and they get fatigued with lower repetitions. Okay. Generally. Okay, if they're super deconditioned, you could get away with higher repetitions. Okay. Humans are, as long as you are alive, and every one of your clients are, okay, you adapt to the demands that you are exposed to. So if you are providing client-centered care and a client is puts on their form or they mess, message you or they mention to you, that they want to get stronger, your, your exercises of choice and your programs and your treatment for them should be in alignment with the, with the actual definition of strength. It should be in alignment with how humans get stronger. And then you should be able to facilitate that within the tools that you have available to you. And a lot of times we have like a mat and we have some kind of apparatus with springs. And, a, and at baseline, a lot of times, okay, like just going through the repertoire is it, right? Maybe, maybe your client feels stronger, right? And they just want to like maintain that feeling. Sweet. You never have to add a spring. That's totally cool. But you want to know why not? Because your client is the center of that care. And they're like, hey, I'm stronger. I feel great. I want to do Pilates forever, right? They don't mention that they want to continue to get stronger. They want to maintain their strength. And that's a big thing, right? And there's nothing wrong with maintaining strength. Hey, if I maintain my current strength and I'm 95, I'd be a pretty strong 95-year-old. I'd be cool with it. Okay? Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also more available to us than that. And it's still Pilates. If your client has a different goal and you make a different decision to get that, goal achieved. So one goal could be that your client's like, oh, I'm getting stronger. This is great. But I'm starting to notice like, like, I feel like I used to like, you know, like I was like really seeing results, right? I was, I was just like noticing I could pick stuff up and I just feel like I, I don't know, we've been doing this for like two months and, and like, I'm, you know, I'm feeling good, but I feel like I want to like get, get even stronger, right? They indicate something where it's like, I want an increase of strength. You know what you have to do? you have to increase their volume, okay? So you can either ask them like, hey, like how do you feel about coming in another day a week, right? That would increase their volume. You could do that. They'll probably get a little, a little uptick in, in, in some strength and you could probably do the same exercises, okay? You won't get that much stronger, okay? Um, but you would increase their volume, okay? Um, depending, you know, of course, on what you're doing. Or, you could do this thing. You could do this, okay? And it's still Pilates, I promise. Or you could, um, add, you could add, you could add a spring. You could add a spring to certain exercises, which means you could uh, progressively load them and be in alignment with mountains of of literature that show how human tissue gets stronger. And this is where 
understanding like science and understanding human physiology, understanding biomechanics, understanding motor learning, understanding pain science, understanding things outside of Pilates helps inform your Pilates. So then when you're, when you're confronted with this thing of like, oh, I'm not used to adding a spring, right? And then we have this like imposter syndrome of, am I still teaching Pilates? You end up caring, you end up caring for your clients so much that you care so much less about if this is Pilates. So is it Pilates if you add a spring? My answer is I, I would encourage you not to care because you care about your clients so much that the opinion of other instructors or other influence, including myself in the industry, are nowhere near as important as your client's experience because this is client-centered care. If your client wants to get stronger, you have a duty of care if you agree to get them stronger, you have a duty of care to be in alignment with how humans get stronger and provide that treatment. Okay? Now, feeling stronger and getting stronger are also not the same thing. A lot of times we say, sometimes our clients mean feel stronger rather than be stronger, by the way. They just want to feel better. Okay? That's a good thing too. That's, that's part of having the conversation with them of like, what do you actually want? Because clients don't always want what they say. Clients say they want core strength when they have low back pain. They don't want core strength. They want to get out of back pain. Okay. Um, so with this, like, are, do they just want more vitality? Right. Is that what they're asking? Like, do they just want more vitality or do they actually want to be able to pick up heavier things? Right. So just doing exercises that are hard might make someone feel stronger, but it's not necessarily getting them stronger. And that's a big thing. And it's just as valid and just as healthy. It's just a different version of winning. There are so many ways to win. And I, and I just caution um, going the route on any education that says this is the way, right? And there's no other ways. There's so many ways to win. There's so many ways to do Pilates. Holy shit. Um, just just do, do what every client wants. Now, within this, okay, like it's client-centered care. Now, what I would like to also share is that if your client has a goal, such as getting stronger, and you're only willing to work with them within the realm of Pilates you like, that is not client-centered care. That is instructor-centered care because the instructor is only doing what the instructor wants. That is instructor-centered care. Client-centered care is I will do whatever means necessary to help you achieve your goal. Okay, I will do whatever means necessary, of course, within our duty of care, within our scope of practice and all of the things. But it is within your scope of practice to add a spring. And if your client has a goal that is either strength-related or they straight up say, I want to get stronger, we should be in alignment with strength training principles. Okay, strength training principles are not reserved for personal trainers. Okay, strength training principles are reserved for humans. Let me say that again. St strength training principles are not reserved for personal trainers. Strength training principles are reserved for humans, okay? Strength training principles do not care what modality of fitness you are doing. 
okay? You're going to increase range of motion by taking a joint and or soft tissue to end range. That's how it's gonna happen. And it doesn't matter if you do it in yoga, in Tai Chi, in freaking Zumba class. Zumba is hard, by the way. Shout out to Zumba instructors, um, to Pilates and physiotherapy or the YouTube channel that you like to watch, you know, in your living room. You gotta take it to end range. That's how you get, it could be um, in strength training, it could be passive, it could be active range of motion. You gotta do that to increase joint range. And it doesn't matter what modality of fitness. And same thing here, okay? If, we're, if we are going to say like, we're getting the muscles stronger. Okay. Low load at low intensity is not going to do it. And that's independent of Pilates, right? That's not, a, that's not a knock on Pilates or anything. That's just um, being aware of, of how human physiology works, which is a foundation for strength training principles, which is applicable to anyone working with a human movement. Um, so if you have like a, here's like a case, like a case scenario, right? Meaning our client scenario. So if you have a client that comes in and they have um, like a acute right Achilles tendinopathy, one that might scare the shit out of you and <laughs> be like, I don't know what a tendinopathy is and what's an Achilles, right? Totally fair. Right. Like I'm speaking, you know, I recognize I'm speaking from, from, um, a place that has had experience with these. So some of it's just like, Hey, we just need to get familiar with special populations and things like that. All good. Okay. That's why I run the VIP membership to help out with that. But like, let's say you had someone with an acute Achilles tendinopathy, um, and they were coming in and they were a runner, things like that. Okay. The treatment. Right. And or let's say they were referred to Pilates because Pilates is great for ankle range of motion because they're having some restriction, right? They're having like, re like sensitivity with dorsiflexion and it feels a little restricted um, and, and whatnot. Cool. So just for anyone not understanding uh, Achilles tendinopathy, what Achilles tendinopathy is, is um, the Achilles tendon, which is connect, which is um, a tendon connected to the, like the calf muscles, your soleus and your gastrocnemius. Um, it, it goes, it, it, like the gastrocnemius and the soleus, they, they funnel into a tendon called the Achilles tendon. It's also called calcaneal tendon. It then attaches to the bottom of your heel called your calcaneus. It, the action or, or the, the action of the, of the calf muscles, which pulls on the Achilles tendon is plantar flexion. It points your toes, right? Or, you know, plantar flexion. So it, it flexes towards the plantar aspect of your foot, bottom of your foot. The anatomy lesson is almost over. Um, then when you flex the foot, when you dorsiflex, meaning that you pull like your toes towards your nose, right? That's done by muscles on the front, primarily your, um, to be honest, anterior, but it stretches all the stuff on the back, such as your calves, but it stretches your Achilles tendon. So for Achilles tendinopathy, okay, the, there's something wrong with the Achilles tendon. Okay. Um, and it, it, there's no tear, right? There, there's no tear. So like a, like an MRI would come, like would, would come clean, um, on a tear, but it's a lot of times it's, it's like thicker, like you have like fatty infiltrations or like disorganized collagen is in there and, and the tendon can actually be thicker. And this is oftentimes the result of like a too much too soon injury. Now you don't need to know all that to teach Pilates, but I'm just like, I went down a ramble. I went down a rabbit hole of Kelly's tendinopathy. But so let's say we have that case, right? And like someone's coming in and like you talk to their physical therapist, let's just say that, and they told you what to do. And they're like, hey, they need um, like 
to increase their doris deflection, right? It's really limited, okay? So we wanna go ahead and do a lot of that, a lot of stretching for the calves. And then um, also we need to, um, you know, can, can, you know we, want, we need to get like heavy loads, like eccentric overload. So do a lot of eccentrics with them and try to overload them, okay? So first of all, it's like, oh my God, what's the eccentric? I forgot, okay? So it's good to know. This is where knowing like um, human physiology can be helpful. Eccentric is when your muscle is contracting. Um, but the load is so much, or, or let's say the muscle is contracting, but less than the external load. So the muscle is actually getting longer while it's trying to contract. Contract means to shorten. So if your muscle were to contract and shorten, that's called concentric. And eccentric would be um, when the muscle is trying to contract, but it's actually getting longer. So if you're doing footwork, right? If you're doing footwork, um, like the lower and lift, some people call it tendon stretch, right? You're on your back. Toes are on the foot bar, your heels go up, your heels go down. Um, when your heels go up, that's plantar flexion. So that would be the concentric phase uh, for an Achilles tendinopathy and or, or just the gastrox, right? And then you're going to, when you lower the heels, but you lower them slowly, that would be the eccentric phase, okay? Now what eccentric overload means is that it's so freaking heavy you have so much spring on that the client cannot lift. Like, let's say you were doing like single leg. Um, you cannot do the action concentrically. So it's like if every spring on, they cannot lift their heel up. It's so heavy. They can't do it on one leg, but they can do it on two legs. So you lift the heels up with two legs. Then you take one foot off and you lower the heel with one. That's an eccentric overload. Okay, eccentric phases are stronger. Okay, so for this condition, you not only like move the ankle through full range of motion, but you load the crap out of it. You load it heavier than what we think heavy is. But what if you're not allowed to add a spring because you do Pilates? and you come in here for Pilates, if you come in here, you get Pilates and only Pilates. And the Pilates that I know, the Pilates that I know and that I approve of does not add springs. Then what I would say is refer out because you're not gonna give the client what they need. Okay, you're not, or you need to tell them like you, you cannot eccentrically overload because that's against the rules of the Pilates you approve of. Okay? That's the opposite of client-centered care. If the, if the guideline-based care is to eccentrically overload an Achilles tendinopathy and you talk to a physical therapist sending you a, uh, one of their patients that has Achilles tendinopathy and they, they straight up say, hey, they need heavy loads, like, can you do that? Okay. You either say, no, I can't because I don't approve of that and then you shouldn't treat that client um, or you say, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And you know what the latter was? The latter? Okay. The, the, the former, the one of like, no, like I, we do like, you know, this spring for this exercise, that's following a recipe. You're not going to give, you're not, you're outside of guideline-based care for Achilles tendinopathy. The latter, the one, the, the approach that chooses to adapt the Pilates to the client, that's the thinking behind what created Pilates in the first place. That is the, my client has a problem. This, this human in front of me has a problem. Okay, and, and we know the tissue in this, in this case, and I need to figure out how can I, with the tools that I have, the springs that I have, the reformer, the trap table, the chair that I have, how can I give that tissue the load that it needs? 
that's teaching Pilates. Okay. That's not just follow. Like, there's a difference between following what's been left behind and, and really thinking through the problems and utilizing the tools around you to solve problems that your clients have. Okay. Um, so to anyone, to anyone who ever feels like not good enough to anyone who feels like because they teach Pilates in a certain way, they start to question themselves. You can reach out to me at, at any uh, time. I'll put my email, um, you know, in the show notes. I'm also, or, or I'll put my Instagram. How about that? Instagram's cooler. I'll put my Instagram on in the show notes. Reach out to me anytime you have support. And if you are ever looking for a community, uh, you know, to, to be a, a part of that is welcoming, that is science-based and that is, uh, nothing that is about nothing but growth uh, for you, uh, the instructor. You can go ahead and use the link in the bio to um, start your seven-day free trial of the VIP membership. Not only are you part of a community of like-minded instructors who just focus on on client-centered care um, and are thirsty to continue to learn, but you also get exposure to tons of science-based information that will just help you continue to grow in the most supportive way possible. Um, you, you will get mentoring uh, from me um, on a daily basis uh, because you will always, you get, you get access to our Slack community and you can reach out to me uh, 24 seven and you'll get a, a response from me within 24 hours. Um, and I hope that this episode has been helpful uh, for any instructor um, out there in the Pilates world. Thank you for listening, taking time out of your day to, uh, to become a better instructor and provide your clients the care that they deserve. Because at the end of the day, um, all of this work is about helping your clients live better and happier lives. And don't forget uh, how much of a difference you make as an instructor. Have an incredible rest of your day.